love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know, you may be wrong. Is that okay to think about that? What would happen if, in fact, it turned out to be wrong, a wrong decision? Well, we're going to talk about that. That's kind of our theme for today. This is Dan Meller. You're listening to the 48 Days Online Radio Show, where we just have the privilege of unpacking some of the most amazing questions from you, the listeners, real-life people, real-life questions, real-life situations Golly, where we can uh, scratch our heads, dig a little deeper, figure out how to get through this and go on to the extraordinary lives that we all have the privilege of living. And we really do. Don't get stuck in boreness, sameness, repetitive, doing what you've always done. Golly, life is too short. There are so many new opportunities. We're going to talk about how to move into those with confidence, your head held high, even though you may be wrong. Well, we've got some amazing success stories today that I'm eager to share with you. A whole bunch of them will run through. They just keep pouring in. Thanks for submitting those. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, should I take a job that would triple my income or keep my freedom? I'm going to want you to think about that a little bit. Here's another one. Is it better to get off the track or wait to get hit by the train? (laughs) I love that question. Why can't my dad see the advantages of being self-employed? Now, I talked about that a little bit last week, said I didn't have time to go into that. I want to talk about that more today. How can you talk somebody else into being self-employed? Talk them into seeing the advantages of being an entrepreneur. Well, we'll look at that. Dan, how can I be a teacher with a criminal record? And someone wants to know, what are the seasons of life as you see them? Well, here's our quotation. Now, remember I said you may be wrong. Here's a quotation, and it comes from Sir Ken Robinson. You've probably heard that name as it relates to his, the TED Talk that he did on how education is destroying creativity has been viewed over 20 million times. 20 million times. Well, that's another story, but here's one of the things that he says. Sir Ken Robinson says, if you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with something original. How's that for an intriguing thought? If you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with something original. Well, yeah, if you're not prepared to be wrong, the safest thing to do is just keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to move into something that would be new, exciting, exhilarating, thrilling, break the bank financially, yeah, you need to be prepared to be wrong. Guess what? You may be wrong. Guess what? You may be right. Let me play this little clip before I even share the success stories because I want you to to kind of um, muse on this. I want you to marinate in this idea a little bit. This comes from David. This is his question. I just had a quick question. Um, I am a freelance graphic and web designer, and I was just offered a position that would basically triple my income um, and I'm not sure if I should take it. I've been freelancing for about a year now and doing pretty well Um, and out of nowhere I got offered this position with one of the people that I contract for um, that would 
really increase my income, but it would also be a huge increase in hours and work, and it would be eight to ten hour days, five days a week. And so I'm just curious if it's something that I should give up the freedom that I've had with freelancing for a full-time uh, high-paying position. Thanks. All right. What do you think about that? What would you do? Would you give up the freedom that you've maybe found as an entrepreneur, a freelancer, independent contractor, all those things we talk about? You've got some time freedom. You make your own schedule. But now you have a chance to triple your income if you took one of those real jobs. I want you to think about that a little bit. We'll come back to that in a minute. But I want to share some success stories as we always do. Got some amazing ones. This one comes from Cornelia. Cornelia says, I'm a longtime German listener of your awesome podcast. You kept me sane when I was working as an employee. I had sold my little audiobooks company, which wasn't profitable enough in November of 2008. After that, I had a small career as an employee. <laughs> I love that term, a small career. Uh, it kind of gives you a mental image of what that might have been. But Cornelia says, I had a small career as an employee. I went from sales manager to sales team leader. Ambitious as I always am, I changed my job to get further ahead, moved to a new town where the new company was situated. Right after the move, I was fired. It was a big shock, but I kept listening to your podcast and I always wanted to go back to being an entrepreneur anyway. And guess what? I just launched my new business yesterday. I'm producing videos for indoor cycling. And I remember from the podcast that you do this kind of exercise in the morning. I'm just not sure if you were talking about an indoor bike or a treadmill. I'd like to offer you to download the videos for free if you feel like trying this. They have no sound, so you can still listen to your favorite music or podcast while exercising. You will feel as if you are cycling or running through rural Germany. The videos are really beautiful. I'm sure you're going to enjoy them. You can find previews on my website, indoor-cycling-videos.com. The coupon for a 100% price reduction on every video in the shop is 48 days. Now, I'm going to put a link up so you can go to this. You can go to the, the radio show notes, and you can find a link to go right to Cornelia's site. She says, and, and she says, you can also share the coupon code 48 days with the listeners of your podcast if you'd like. Maybe some people also exercise on a bike at home. For me, this would be great advertising. Thanks for your great show. You're such an inspiration. Your positive attitude, always so refreshing. I've recommended your show to several people during the years. Also gave away your 48 days, actually the Spanish edition to an ex-colleague. Thanks a lot, Dan. Please keep on your great work. Totally love your podcast. I've been listening for years. Started listening back in 2010. Best regards from Germany, Cornelia. Well, thank you, Cornelia. I went to your site. I love your videos. I love the concept of what you're doing. Now, just, you know, to kind of recap for everybody. Yeah, and incidentally, I am on a treadmill every morning. Not a cycle, not a bike, on a bike, stationary bike, but on a treadmill. So I have a blank screen in front of me. I listen to podcasts, and I just look out the window at the same scene Every single day. I love your idea of having videos so that while I'm on the treadmill, it appears as if I'm going down roads and up hills and things in Germany. That's a great idea. I love it. Happy to pass that on. Congratulations on what you're doing. I hope you rock and roll, knock it out of the park with success in that. Here, This comes from Michael. 
says, my name is Michael. I'm the owner of OnlyTowelWarmers.com, located just outside of Nashville. We specialize in selling towel warmers. Since our launch in February of 2013, that's just a year ago, we've seen steady growth. This month, our revenues will be between 15 and 20,000. Though it's not providing enough income to support my family yet, it's providing a nice part-time income with huge potential of growing into a full-time income. My passion is teaching, coaching others, and starting a niche e-commerce store. I'd love to work with you and your team. If you see my experience as a good fit for one of your classes or podcasts, please let me know. My credentials are that I've hit, I've spent a long, lot of long nights building an e-commerce business that within a year is generating a nice part-time income. Certainly appreciate your unorthodox way of viewing how to make money. You're such an inspiration. Well, Michael, thanks for that. I went to your site. You got a beautiful site. My goodness, it's very professionally done, very appealing, very warm and engaging. And, uh, and I love the concept. I mean, in fancy hotels, yeah, we run into those towel warmers where you hang your towel on it and golly, come out of the shower, grab your towel and it's already warmed up for you. Great idea. And looks like you're doing well with that. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about you know, things we might do, um, certainly using you as an example of encouraging other people to have a niche e-commerce site. And generating fifteen to 20000 I mean, that's not chicken feed by any means. So hope that's producing significant profits for you. Thanks for your note. Now, some other things, just real quickly. Some things that are happening in the 48days.net community. Dan Waller, who's on our advisory team. Dan is the one who, who developed the 48 Days app. Well, the 48 Days app has just been updated. If you have it on your phone, I mean, if you have the 48 Days app, just make sure you hit the update and it's going to update it. He's done some stunning new updates on there. What he did with the 48 Days schedule, I absolutely love you see at the top of the day, you can just flip with your finger, flip across to the left, and it'll scroll through the days. You land on day 41 or whatever, and you see exactly what's listed for that day as the day's activity in the 48 days schedule that I outlined. Then you can hit that that task has been accomplished. So you move it into the completed column. And I love what he's done. So, Dan Waller, thanks for what you're doing there. Josh Bullock, I mentioned last week that he had heard me talk about the need for a site that would list upcoming seminars and workshops. He took action on that. Has a beautiful new site up, Think and Grow. And um, you can go there to find a list of conferences and list your own conference there. So I commend him on what he's doing. Got a note from Josh this week. He said, I really appreciate you mentioning my site last week. Could you share with us, listeners, the events you are attending this year for your personal development? Well, I've got a bunch. I've already been to New Media Expo in Vegas in a couple weeks. Well, of course, we're doing the ongoing events here. We've already done coaching with excellence here. We've got Innovate coming up here real quickly now in March. Right after that, the week after that, I'm going to San Diego where I'll be presenting and attending Social Media Marketing World, Michael Stelzer's big event. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Then I'll be going to launch Michael Hyatt's event. That's in April in Orlando. Um, you know, I need to look at my schedule to see what other ones. I've got three or four others scheduled. I ought to pull those up. I did not do that. But yeah, I love going to conferences. I had a note this morning from uh, somebody about videotaping his entire three-day event, his entire conference. 
and then putting that up as a product. And I said, frankly, you know, it's not a product I'd be interested in. No matter how good the event is, I mean, I think 60, 70% of the value of going to an event comes from the informal interaction with other attendees, not just from hearing from the speakers on the stage. And to sit down and go through an event where you're just hearing what the speakers on the stage did in a long extended format like that is certainly not appealing to me. I mean, I, I go with the combined intention of learning from the sessions, yes, but then making great connections with other people who are attending as well. Well, a couple other things here real quick. Success stories. Jared Easley is leading up a team to host a new podcast conference. It's called the Podcast Movement 2014. You can just research that and find it. Right now, that'll take you to a Kickstarter campaign. They put a Kickstarter campaign out to get some funds to launch this new event. And uh, I'm really cool. I checked it just a minute ago. There's nine days left. They have 225 backers. Their goal was $11,000. They wanted $11,000 to launch this event. Well, at this point, they have $25,315 pledged. I mean, that's a pretty cool launch to a new idea. They wanted to do an event. I mean, how many of you listen could have something like that that you'd like to do? Well, you'd like to have an event, but boy, it's costly to put one on. How do you get the money in advance? Well, you give people an opportunity to participate in the whole project, just like they're doing. Well, there's a new group. In 48days.net called Be Your Finest Art happens to be put up by my wife Joanne and her friend Dorsey McHugh, the artist. They're both artists, and the group is going to be four fellow artists. If you're interested in unlocking the creativity you got locked in your brain there somewhere, uh, join that group, Be Your Finest Art. Kent Julian's getting ready to, to put on his next Speak It Forward boot camp. Oh, that's another event that I'll be going to. Yeah, so I'm going to Speak It Forward boot camp. In May, May 8th and 10th, I'll be joining Kent, doing a presentation at that. But Kent does an amazing event for anybody who's interested in launching their speaking. That's another one. Cliff Ravenscraft just completed his first podcasting A to Z session for this year. But he's got another one starting April 7th. And if you go there and just mention 48 days, you get a significant discount on that is podcasting A to Z course, certainly something that I recommend. Lynn Watts is hosting the Called Woman Reinvention Convention coming up here in a couple of weeks, actually March 15th in Marietta, Georgia. Um, my wife, Joanne, is going to be speaking at that, but Lynn put together a conference. I think this is her second or third time to do that now, but it's a conference specifically for women who want to turn their dreams into reality. And then one more quick thing here on our success stories today. Jeff Brown, that's a friend of mine. Jeff is a, is a former radio guy. He's been in radio for years and years, has that great, deep radio voice, just extremely easy to listen to. But he came to a, when I taught a class last year on my new book, Wisdom Meets Passion. I did one-time run-through, so we'd create a prototype for teaching that at the college level. Jeff was in that class. In that period of time, he made a transition out of his traditional job into doing his own work. And um, one of the things that he does so well is a podcast. He has Read to Lead podcast, where he interviews authors. This week, his podcast was interviewing Carmen Gallo who just authored a brand new book or authored a book that was just released this week titled talk like Ted. It's an amazing podcast. 
it talks about all the little tips that we can get in terms of how to present better. And a lot of those come from observing the people who have done TED Talks. Those people have 18 minutes to talk. And, and you, we can learn a lot from them and seeing, you know, how to engage people quickly, how to get your point across, how to come across with confidence. But anyway, Jeff is doing, Jeff Brown's doing a great job in that, in his read to lead podcast. So there you go. That's our piece for today on people who are in fact champions. Hey, thanks for being a champion. Thanks for submitting your stories about things that are happening where you are, in fact, stepping out of the mold, doing things that are changing the world, doing things where you might be wrong. But you know what? You might be right. If you're right, you have an opportunity to unlock a new level of success in your own life. If you got a story, shoot it to us. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link. You can leave it right there or just shoot it in to askdan at 48days.com. Thanks for those. Well, let's move into the questions. Now, remember a little bit ago, we had this question asked. Let me play it again here real quick. And we'll I talk just about had a quick it. question. Um, I am a freelance graphic and web designer, and I was just offered a position that would basically triple my income um and i'm not sure if i should take it i've been okay let me just stop there i'm eager to jump in uh david's asking he's a graphic designer he's doing okay you know things are going well as a freelancer but now one of the clients that he was working for is working for has offered him a position that would essentially triple his income now in doing that he'd have to go back to working eight ten hours a day five days a week so the question is, is it better to maintain your freedom even at a lower income or to take a job where you have consistent responsibilities and have to clock in and be there every day to triple your income? What do you think? What would you do? I mean, what a great scenario to have. What a great opportunity. What a great challenge to have to make that decision, to make that call. Where things are going well, you like what you're doing, but now you have a chance to triple your income, but it would mean that you would maybe give up part of what you're doing. Well, here's the deal. There is no one right answer. And David, I don't know enough about your situation to give you the right answer, but I can give you a formula for how to look at it. What you want to do is build a plan for what you want your life to look like three years from now. That's what you have to do. That's what we all have to do. That's how we make these decisions. What do you want your life to look like three years from now? If in fact, taking this job and being there for two years would allow you to erase all your student debt, as an example, if you have that, or to pay off your house or to do something else significant that you could accomplish because you're okay living on the income that you have now. So if you triple it, yeah, don't just increase your standard of living, but sock that away. What could you do if you did that for two years? Would that be an advantage in terms of putting you where you want to be three years from now? Now, if it doesn't have any impact, it's not important, then maybe it's not in a good decision to give up the freedom that you have now. What's so important about the freedom that you have now? I mean, are you really trying to reduce your work hours so you have the, the four-hour work week like Tim Ferriss talks about? I mean, personally, I, I'm not interested in trying to get my work down to even 
20 or 15 hours a week. I like working. And I, I can't imagine having time that was just totally unstructured where I could just twiddle my thumbs or look at my navel you know, watch the clouds roll by. I mean, I'm, I like doing things that are productive. And if I had a way to engage those, that time productively, when you talk about going, go back to eight or 10 hours a, a day, wow, that's 40 or 50 hours a week. Wow. Guess what? I can't imagine not working 40 or 50 hours a week. So that's, but that's my life. I would look at it in terms of I'm going to work 40 or 50 hours a week anyway. What's the most productive use of my time in doing that? But that's the way you approach it. Build a plan for what you want your life to look like three years from now. That'll help you walk right into this decision. Let us know what you decide. Be eager to hear that. Well, here's a question from Chris in Denver. Dan, thanks for your weekly inspiration information. I have a question that may help others, although it's too late for me. Now, check this out. Since 2008, I've been through four major reorganizations that would have all resulted in a layoff. Rather than wait around for the axe to fall, I changed jobs. After the last reorganization, I decided to work contract positions until I found the perfect company During my job search, I've been told by three separate recruiters this month that it would have been better had I waited to be laid off and that having four different positions that I voluntarily left over five years is a huge red flag, even after explaining the situation. Did I make a mistake in getting out of the way of the train or should I have stuck around and gotten hit all four times? Thanks for everything, Chris. Great question. Interesting position to be in. But keep in mind who is giving you the feedback. You're talking to recruiters. Recruiters, you've messed up making their job easy for them. The easiest thing for recruiters is if you to have a long, consistent work history and well, whoop-de-doo, they help you polish your resume and get another job that repeats what you've most recently been doing. That's what they do well. You've thrown a wrench in the works here. You've done something out of the ordinary. How are they going to explain these four different job positions? All right. Now you you can see my cynicism in framing that. Do put your resume together in a way that highlights your strongest areas of competence. You do the job search. You identify 30 to 40 companies where that would be a prospective match for the skills you bring to the table. You contact them. Those companies aren't going to be concerned about those things. If in fact you present yourself as somebody that they'd like to have on their team. This is just something that's challenging for a recruiter to look at and to frame nicely and to fit into their little formula for how they help somebody get the next job. It's not a real life issue at all. You can describe that. And if a company looks at that, I mean, companies know that movers and shakers in the world don't have to have one position for 20 years. In fact, having one position for 20 years may in fact be a red flag to a company at this point where they think, goodness, is this person keeping up with things? Have they gotten stagnant? You know, are they just responding to circumstances and comfortable in a rut rather than being somebody who's going to look at new ways to do things and bring new ideas to the table? So I'd, I'd say you're getting input from one source. Make sure you stay in the driver's seat. If you're using recruiters for a new position, 
Make sure that it's no more than 10% of your job search methodology. Don't depend on recruiters to get your position. You'll be really disappointed. Make sure you spend, that you are doing 90% of your job search yourself. Josh from Washington says, Dan, like your podcast, you answered my question a while back, which helped me to finally quit my job. Now this is the, the I'm going to, I've got a couple questions here that I'm going to kind of put together, but he says, you helped me quit my job back in October, started my own electrical contracting business, which is going great. My question today is about my dad. He's had the same job for 36 years and hates it. He could retire, but he's concerned about insurance since he's only 53. For him to cover insurance, all he would need to make is about $1,500 a month. Since I was a kid, he talked about opening an RV and boat detailing shop. Every time I suggest he do it, he has made up some kind of excuse. He wasn't supportive of me quitting my stable job to start my business, but now he sees that it's working. He's more supportive. What can I do to encourage him to escape his 36-year jail sentence and be free? Well, Josh... Asking somebody else to be an entrepreneur is like pushing a rope. And you, you can't argue someone into being an entrepreneur. Now, for one thing, Callie was blown away by this. She's, your dad is only 53 and he's been in the same job for 36 years. I mean, he got, he's got this job at 17. I can't imagine having the same job for 36 years. I can't imagine your dad being the same person at 53 that he was at 17. I mean, a lot of the people that I work with, I had a guy come in one time, he was 44 years old. And he, one of the first things he said really struck me. He says, Dan, I'm tired of living my life based on the decisions that were made by an 18 year old. I mean, what do you know when you're 17 or 18 years old about deciding the direction of your life? You ought to be able to get some life experience. That's why I tell people in those initial years of working in your career, those are just to get experience. Do whatever you want to for the first 10 or 15 years, and then we can take a fresh look at it, start to look at recurring themes and patterns, identify what it is you do best, and then create a real plan for moving into the next productive 20 years of your life. So anyway, I'm blown away by the fact that he took a job at 17 and has been there for 36 years. But the issue is you can't argue someone into being an entrepreneur. I mean, there has to be something that bubbles up from the inside. It's that it's, it's a guttural emotional desire that makes anything else look less appealing. You know, the best way to talk him into it is not to talk about it, but just live out your own success. Watching the benefits in your life will be the strongest argument for considering it for himself. You know, in talking about that, it reminds me of people who are interested in evangelism or sharing their faith. You know, the idea of trying to argue somebody into that is usually pretty fruitless. Just live your life. Let people watch what you're doing. Become their friend. And the same thing, same thing is true with entrepreneurship. Golly, I, ought to do, I need to do a blog on entrepreneurship and evangelism. Because attracting people to either one is a very similar process. Well, I'll think about that. Next question comes from Rusty. Now, this is a, a related question. That's why I wanted to, to, to share it here. Um, well, where is it? 
Oh, here it is. Okay. Sorry about that. Dan, I love your work. Help the help you give people. I have a friend who's in a tight spot. He used to have a great steady job in construction, making around $32 an hour. His hours have been cut and his work looks spotty. I'm self-employed and have him work for me now and then. I was thinking of suggesting that he go the self-employed route. I'm not sure how entrepreneurial he is. He has plenty of skills in building and fixing things. He's very mechanically inclined, hardworking. I think if he could clear around $1,000 a week, he could replace his current income. He has a family of four and quite a bit of debt and is sort of hanging on to the possibility that his work will return, but I don't know. Being self-employed, I'm naturally bent to push everyone else to be. Okay, again, like I said in the previous question about the dad, asking someone else to be an entrepreneur is like pushing a rope. But now here's some issue, and I want to unpack this a little bit because it's a really important point for lots of you. Some people are not good candidates for working for themselves or being entrepreneurs. I mean, if you're a contractor working for yourself, then you have to do the marketing to get in front of prospective customers. I mean, maybe you have to talk to 10 prospects to secure one good job. Last Sunday, Joanna and I went to the Lawn and Garden Show here in Nashville, And there were a lot of booths set up there with people who do home improvement kind of things. So you may want to have a booth and stand there and try to engage people in conversation, try to set appointments. You know, I have to admit, I, I, I talk to people readily like that. And a lot of people are just begging for somebody to talk to and, oh, and then they want to just get your, you know, get your email address, get your phone number. Well, you know, what's going to come next. They're going to call you. So I give them a phone number. I do this readily to just make them feel like they're making progress. I don't want, I shouldn't do this, I guess, but I give them a phone number that nobody answers here. I mean, it goes into a a message system, but uh, I don't really want to have everybody following up with me. But anyway, you may have to spend some time at shows like that, trying to get appointments. Then you have to bid the job, hope that your estimate included everything. You may need to hire some subcontractors to do parts of the job. And then you hope that they're responsible, that they're going to do good work and don't mess up because it's all in your shoulders. When you get paid, you have to pay for materials, pay your subs, pay taxes, and hope there's something left that we call profit. Uh, you have to keep up with on with the on our employment laws, no workman's compensation issues, what's required in terms of health care if you have any employees. You know, to uh, to clear a thousand dollars a week it may require billing three dollar three thousand dollars a week. Uh, you have to have uh, you may have challenges with accounts receivables. I mean, not everyone's going to pay you in a timely fashion. So there are some real issues to be concerned with there. Now, when you say that your friend is a good contractor, you know, he's good at building things. Michael Gerber, in his books about the E-Myth, he talks about this. He talks about what he calls the fatal assumption. And this is when somebody who is a technician has what he calls an entrepreneurial seizure, you know, (laughs) where he says there's an assumption made by all technicians, like somebody who's a good carpenter who go into business for themselves. And the fatal assumption is this. If you understand the technical work of a business, you understand a business that does that technical work. Okay. Now, did you get that contrast? Just because you're good at making pies doesn't mean that you're going to be good at running a restaurant. Just because you can build a great birdhouse or a stairwell doesn't mean that you're going to be good at running a business that does that. 
And he talks about, in the E-Myth Revisited, he talks about the, the carpenter or the electrician or the plumber who becomes a contractor. All of them believe that by understanding the technical work of the business, they are immediately qualified to run a business that does that kind of work. And he says that's simply not true. He says the real tragedy is when the technician falls prey to the fatal assumption the business that was supposed to free him from the limitations of working for somebody else actually enslave him. Now, there are three things that he talks about in the technician's nightmare in the first part of his book, The E-Myth Revisited. He talks about the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. Those are three different people. And we assume in running a business that somebody has the ability to be all three. I mean, the entrepreneur dreams, he lives in the future, talks about what if, you know, the new things that we're going to do, so on and so forth. The manager is somebody who wants order. He wants to have things neatly lined up, has to have systems and operations in place. The technician then is the doer. But the technician tends to think if you want something done right, do it yourself. As long as the technician is working, he's happy, but only on one thing at a time. He knows he can't get things done simultaneously, so he works steadily and is happiest when he's in control of doing the actual work. Now, if all three were equally balanced, the entrepreneur, the manager, the technician, geez, we'd have some superstar. We all tend to fall into one of those categories more than the others. But the ones that have the most difficulty in running a business are technicians somebody who has a specific skill that then tries to move into running a business. So the gal who makes great pies realizes six months after opening her restaurant, she doesn't even have time or doesn't even enjoy making pies anymore because it's just a necessary thing. She has to get done quickly because she's dealing with employees. She's dealing with lease improvements. She's dealing with sign permits unemployment compensation, all those things that she didn't realize were part of running a business. And she has very little time left in which to actually make pies. So it's not just a walk in the park to go from being a technician, to doing your own business. You have to look at that whole spectrum of thing. Now, obviously as an entrepreneur, yeah, I love what being an entrepreneur allows us to do, but I have to be very careful about recognizing my strengths and the things that I do not do well at all. So I surround myself with people who do those things well. The One of the biggest flaws that people get into when they start their own business is their assumption that they're going to do everything themselves. That does not work well in any business I've ever observed. Nobody does everything well. We all need other people who can come alongside and do things that help us in our own path, help us in a business that's successful. You can be a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, describe it any way that you want to, but I'll guarantee you, you can't do everything yourself and have any extraordinary level of success. Well, that's a good time to take a breath, breath there, take a breath of fresh air. And just to remind you, if you get a question, you want to submit it, I'd love to hear from you. Just go to the podcast link on the 48days.com site. You'll see an opportunity there to submit your question or you can just shoot it into 
askdan at 48days.com. Or you can go to the podcast link and just leave an audio question, as you heard a little bit ago. I'll get that in an audio format. Once in a while, I work one of those in. Usually, I just rush through, as you can tell, but uh, sometimes I do include your actual audio clip. Well, here's a question from Anna. This says, Dan, I purchased your book, your CD, listen to your podcast, but there's one obstacle that you've not provided an answer for. I'm 26 years old. I'm currently working for a publishing company. Prior to this job, I was working in the marketing field, but left to move, took whatever job I could at the time. I would consider myself a good asset in both fields, but I dread coming to work. Meanwhile, to fill my free time, I started coaching dance at the local high school where my fiance teaches. Then I took on more responsibility there, helping with such things as prom director. It's been through these experiences that I realized I want to be a teacher. I love working with the students and helping them achieve day in and day out. I truly have a passion for it. Now for my obstacle. When I was in college, 21 years old, I was not surrounded by the best influences. I got in trouble with the law theft in the fifth degree. There's no way in Iowa, the state in which I reside to get this taken off my record. Believe me, I've tried many times. It's unlikely that a school will hire me with even a simple misdemeanor on my record. I'm scared to go back to school and get a second bachelor's degree when it may end up being wasted time and money. How would you suggest I handle things moving forward? I appreciate any advice you may have for me. Thanks for your time, Anna. Well, for one thing, I have... I've actually been asked to write an addendum to 48 days for the recently released prison inmate. We do spend a lot of time working with people in that regard. A lot of you have heard me talk about Catherine. I need to give you an update on Catherine again. She is doing phenomenal. She's a young gal who got out of prison five years ago. Joanna and I have been helping her. How she keeps her head above water, I don't even know. I mean, I need to follow this gal around because I don't know how she makes things work, and yet she's continuing to make things work. Well, I'll give you an update in a couple of weeks. Got some specific things that uh, she has done that have just blown my mind, and some specific challenges that have come up as well. We'll address those. Now, back to your question, Anna. What I would encourage you to do is look at the varieties of opportunities for being a teacher. When we say teacher, the first thing that may come to mind is public school. You know, in your county, in your state, with 32 kids in the classroom. Yeah, for that, there are going to be specific hoops that you have to jump through. There are going to be ways that they look at your background. But start looking at the variety of opportunities for being a teacher today. If you taught a class in a local company or through the Chamber of Commerce or through Junior Achievement, chances are, What's on your record from years and years ago is really going to have no relevance at all. If you're working with homeschoolers, I mean, they recognize people go through seasons in their lives and have things. All of us have things in our past that we don't want to have as stamped on our forehead as our identity. And you'll find opportunities there. I mean, you, you could work with the children of IBM employees living in Acapulco, Mexico, and you're a teacher. You know, is that going to be an issue there? No. I mean, so just recognize you're talking about one particular application or having that on your record 
may be something that would be a stumbling block. But there are thousands of opportunities. I want you to believe that there are 95% of the opportunities that you could have that would be really exciting, would include your creativity, your attraction to dance and putting events together like the prom and all that. 95% of the opportunities that would embrace that, this is not going to be an issue. So approach it in that way. If you want to be a teacher, you can be a teacher. Britton says, I'm in the middle of a job search that could end in relocating. Our current cost of living is very low and will increase upon relocating. My wife and I don't want to be blindsided by a significant increase in expenses. Some living factors are easy to research online, but others are not. Do you know of any good resources that help with cost of living comparisons? You know, do you recommend any salary calculators? Well, yeah, I do. There's really one that you can go there. There are several. I mean, you can go to salary.com, even monster.com has salary calculators there. But the one I recommend is money.cnn.com slash calculator. I'll, I'll put that link. It's, it's kind of a lengthy URL, but they have a cost of living calculator depending on where you live, what part of the country that's really pretty accurate. Now, again, I hope that that's not the only consideration when you're talking about relocating. I mean, relocating ought to be because you want to go to the place that this that you're talking about going. I mean, don't just get pulled to some geographical area that you don't care about because you think there's a job opportunity there. I know that that's a common way to approach it, but it, it makes me cringe when I think about that. And I see people uprooting their families and going to places where they would never choose to live just because there's a job there. And we already heard from, from Cornelia in Germany who said, you know, she followed the job, moved, and shortly after getting there, then she got fired. Well, you better make sure that you're someplace you want to be, even if the job disappears. So don't, don't get pulled around uh, just by making the mathematical calculations about where you're going to live. I mean, make the emotional living style decisions about where you want to live. The math will take care of itself. Travis from Wichita says, I'm 25 year old, years old at an interesting point in my career. I'm an engineer making 70000 a year plus benefits. I don't particularly love engineering. Would love to eventually be a life coach, but it sure has helped my wife and me build a solid financial base. A few options have arisen. I wanted your take on them. At this point, I could become an engineering contractor for around $80 an hour plus time and a half overtime. This would let me pay off my house within a single year. I also have an offer to become a financial advisor, which would be an initial pay cut to 50000 but has higher potential and would bring me closer to working in a job I'm passionate about. At this point, I feel like I'm picking between money, contracting, comfort, staying at my current job, and passion advising something else. I'd love your help. Well, 70,000 that you're making now means you're making $35 an hour if you're working 40 hours a week. So at $80 an hour, you've doubled your potential. The question is, how many hours would you work as a contractor? Now, you may have a single project since you're in engineering. You may have a single project that requires full-time and thus would double your income. But typically as a contractor, you're going to bill for about 20 to 25 hours a week and then use the remaining time for administrative tasks in your business and for marketing to new business. All that as it is, I'd say don't choose between money, comfort, or passion. Identify the perfect blend of all three and then do that. 
So look at the things that you are talking about, the things that you're drawn to, the things that you know you can do with confidence, but the things that also engage your passions and your dreams. Just put those together. I mean, you've got, you're in a great position having these wonderful options presented to you on the table. So just map out, and you're, you're very young, uh, 25, I mean, map out where you want to be at 30. That's five years from now. And then look at the blend of what you describe, money, comfort, and passion. Look at the blend that would allow you to be in your sweet spot two years from now, three years from now, and do that. I mean, when, when we talk about, well, I could do this, but I wouldn't make as much money. Well, if you're doing something that you really love, I mean, as you've heard me talk about time and time again, if you're doing something you really love, money seems to show up in unexpected ways. Money just starts showing up in your bank accounts. Like, holy moly, how'd that happen? I mean, I have things, I have things like, here's an example. You hear me talk about affiliate income. I mean, I recommend other conferences. I mean, you know, I'm a conference junkie. I go to a lot myself, get the opportunity to present a lot, but I just attend a lot and I recommend a lot. Well, just recently I got an email and it was like, ching, you know, you just made, it was like $1,473. I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, it's probably a decimal point mistake. It's probably $14 and 73 cents or something like that. And I went on later in the day, I came back to it and looked at it, opened it up. And sure enough, somewhere on my website in recommending a particular conference, or actually it wasn't even a particular conference, just recommending a particular gentleman who does great work. Somebody went to his site, registered for a pretty pricey con conference that was coming up. And my affiliate commission was in fact, 1400 and some dollars. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, so that wasn't some contrived strategic business plan. How can I make $1,400 today? No, it was just recommending because I'm excited about things and like to connect people with great resources, recommended it. Boom. Here's a guy who in fact registered and I got that kind of commission. I mean, how cool is that? Now I have another question here and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, put this one on the back burner as well. But uh, Paul asked about the seasons of life. How do I view the seasons of life? I talk about that a lot. I talk about embracing the seasons of life. What are those? Now those do vary, but there is a formula to go through. So I'm going to pull that into the next upcoming podcast. What are those seasons of life that we can expect? You know, sometimes we try to hang on to the same thing. Well, we, I mean, look at nature. I mean, I love springtime of the year because we see those trees that have no leaves on them. Yeah, they, if, if we didn't know better, we'd think they were dead. But no, they're not dead. They were just having a time where their roots went deep and now they're full of buds and blossoms coming out. What a cool thing. And what's happening when, as they come back to life in the next season. Well, you don't want to keep your life in the same season, even if that's summer where you're surfing and hanging out on the beach and doing all the really cool things. No, you have to embrace the fact that fall and winter are coming and in embracing that you can prepare for it. Well, build it into your expectations and handle it extremely well. Well, you may be wrong. Remember that Sir Ken Robinson said, if you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with something original. Hey, that's the way it works. Well, you know, the routine, Great questions. Thanks for sharing. Shoot your question in to get it on an upcoming docket here where we'll consider it, unpack it together, share your life with us. 
And in doing so, we can all help each other be more successful. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing community that we're privileged to be a part of, where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, fulfilling, gives you a sense of peace, and changes your bank account. It's all possible in the same package. Hey, don't settle for less. Have a great week.